Welcome back to Call Time with Katie Bierenbaum. I hope you all enjoyed hearing the lovely Kate Baldwin as much as I enjoyed talking with her. She's just the best. I could talk to her endlessly. But luckily, we have another incredible triple threat on the pod today. In fact, another Hello Dolly on Broadway alum. Maybe I'll just like work my way through that 2017 cast eventually. So without further ado, the wonderful Will Burton. Welcome. Hello. Hi, Katie. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm so excited you're here. Before we started recording, you and I were catching up a bit about, you know, COVID and everything that's going on. I don't want to get too dark too quickly, but I <laughs> do want to start with like a vibe check. How are you feeling? How are you feeling about the start of the new year? What's going on in your you know, world? Yep. Thanks for asking. I I honestly, I can't complain right now. Healthy Haley, who I who I live with, my girlfriend is is healthy and she's got a killer job. She's over at the Music Man on Broadway now. She just got this in I the know. new year. So we're really excited about that. And this is this is about When do the... you get to see her? Do it. Well, we have no idea when she's gonna go on. She oh, she hi. she's an emergency swing. I mean, she they mm-hmm. they had a lot of people going down all at once. And so so they called her up and they said, Would you come in? And so she's, I mean, she's only been rehearsing for just over a week. And who knows? The the male swing that they hired right around the same time went on last night for the first time. So we'll just, we'll just see. And hopefully I'll be able to drop whatever I'm doing, which is very little, and go see her whenever <laughs> the time comes. You were working like right up to the holidays, right? You were doing that show in Omaha I want yeah to say. yeah 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 I did a cool for the Omaha Symphony Orchestra they do a Christmas show every year that is directed and choreographed by Parker Essie who I have worked with in I the love past Parker. I've yeah worked with him too. oh he is just the best I encourage anyone who's listening to check him out and check his work out he he is amazing actually I think yeah the first time I ever worked with him I was also working with Kate Baldwin in 2012 maybe we were doing the music man at arena stage in washington dc and he was choreographing i was tommy gilas and kate baldwin was marion and so that's when i met kate but yeah so i was doing yeah the omaha symphony orchestra they do a christmas show and i was in that with some other amazing amazing people and nobody, did anybody go down or were you all nobody like went time? down thank god i the, i had a moment we everything was great and then you know, Broadway started to really have issues with the virus because of Omicron. And so I had a moment, I was there, I mean, we were only there for about 10 days, but I was in Omaha, Nebraska, and I didn't know anyone besides my cast. And I I realized like in the middle of the night one night, if I got COVID, I wouldn't be able to go home for Christmas. I would have to stay in this, probably in this hotel room in Omaha, Nebraska with nobody that I knew moment there where I was freaking out but uh it didn't happen obviously and it went very well and the show was lovely and yeah and I made it home for Christmas and then I came back up here for my birthday and Haley helped me celebrate my birthday away from all other people (laughs) And, and then we did the New Year's thing here and I'm feeling good about the new year I really am this is about the time of year when I start to kind of I start to get nervous and dip and have the have the have the weather really affect mm-hmm. but I'm trying to stay on top of exercise and diet and mm-hmm. and just diving into all of my my various hobbies and things and I'm feeling good. I can't complain. How are you feeling? 
I was going to say that sounds so healthy. Meanwhile, over here, I've been like <laughs> mostly rewatching old cycles of America's Sex Top Model. But no, hey. no, I, I feel fine. Luckily, I have stayed healthy and my family stayed healthy and I was able to see them over the holidays, which was Great. really lovely. And I don't start school again until the 24th. So... I'm doing a lot of episodes of the show while I have the time now, which is nice. Great. But thank you for asking, Will. That's very kind. Rare that a guest turns the table and asks me. Um, oh my goodness. We well, go we on, haven't gotten to talk very much, so. That's true. You were just saying that. I feel like we had like a really nice sort of, the, the greatest extent that you can have like a nice one-on-one -on -one at a party we had, but that's yep. only so much, you but know? But before that, it was really just, Haley was telling me about you and how wonderful you are and how much of a good time she had on the podcast when she and she was just like this girl you're, you're gonna love her she's so smart and she asks such good questions and she's just such a good conversationalist and you're just going to vibe with her so much and so when we got to really kind of meet officially at the party I was delighted but then obviously we didn't get to talk that long so I'm glad to be here well that's very kind obviously Haley, friend of the pod, love her to death. <laughs> People will remember that episode. I can't remember what number it was, but she's wonderful. And I couldn't not have her amazing boyfriend on too. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm going to do a brief intro to you and your career for those who may not be familiar. And then we'll just jump right on in. Actually, it. I couldn't find this online. But when we were chatting, I remembered Will is from Alabama. And graduated from the University of Michigan Musical Theater Program. We've had a lot of UMich alumni on the show. Before he went on to become sort of the consummate Broadway dancer and performer, he made his Broadway debut in the chorus of Christopher Wielden's An American in Paris, and also appeared in the ensemble of Holiday Inn before playing Ambrose Kemper in, as I said, the 2017 revival of Hello, Dolly. Since then, he's in the roundabout Broadway revival of Kiss Me, Kate, and he's appeared at the best of the best regional houses like Arena Stage he just mentioned, Goodspeed Opera House, the Muni, Ogunquit, and most recently at the Omaha Symphony, which we just discussed. Do you have anything to add? Because everything I just gleaned from, you know, Playbill. I know. It, I feel... I really should get on that. I, it, that maybe that maybe that's a new that's a 2020 thing. The thing is, it's a long story. It's really not a long story. I've just been I just didn't want to make a website for the longest time. Now I know I need one. But now during the pandemic, I started this photography business, and so I've been gung ho about doing about making a website for that. But the thing that's really stopping me is that I don't even have a website for my primary occupation as an actor. And so now I feel like I have to do two, which is keeping me from even starting one. I don't know if I should do it myself or if I should hire someone to do it. I don't know if I can afford to hire. It's, it's like this. It's just it's, it's really questions. stopping me from getting rolling. But you are right. I should have a website. No, but I actually disagree. Here's the thing. In my experience, like I thought it was cool that you didn't have a website. I thought it was baller. I thought the vibe hmm. was like... I'm so good at my job and I'm so famous. I don't even need to self-promote. Oh, you can God. look. <laughs> my credits speak for themselves. I don't need a website. If I were you, know, you, my advice, truly, truly because of that, my advice would just be to make the photography website. Hmm. I just don't know if there. I want the first thing, if people type in Will Burton online, mm, I don't yeah. want the first thing to come up to be that. Although, listen, everyone who needs headshots, check me out at Will Burton Photography on Instagram. 
but I don't know if I want that to be the, you know, my... Yes. If casting directors, they'll be like, well, is he a photographer or is e- he an exa- actor? Exactly. Exactly. Is, is he transitioning away from acting right now? Is Was he right. not good at it? Yeah. No, I don't well, want that. Well, let's clear the air now. <laughs> I was going to save this for later because I knew that you started this business in the pandemic, but let's go right on. How'd you get interested in this? And to clear the air, you are primarily an actor. This is a side hustle for you, but tell me about yes. that. Yeah. Okay. So I've had so many side hustles that were not monetized, in, meaning I am, I am just such a hobbyist at heart. I love finding something to just like dive into whether it be like I learned to play the banjo, I brew beer, I, well, I'm, I've like made bread, I ferment kombucha. I were you like, always just, that way, or is that just a pandemic development? No, always, 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 always. I brewed beer since college. Like I, I just love, I love learning. I love learning. Bottom line, but then I therefore, and I can, I find so many things interesting that I just, I get swept up in them to a a degree that is almost counterproductive in my life because I will start to focus on them more than I will focus on my actual job. But that said, I just love learning about new things. And so last Christmas, I got a drone for Christmas because I asked for it from my mom and she got it for me. And I was like, this is the coolest thing in the world. And I was flying it around and I was taking all these really cool photos and I was like learning some about editing and this editing software and and how to just make these photos look really cool. And then Haley said, hey, you've kind of got a good eye for composition and for, you know, like, you know, making these look really beautiful. Would you ever want a nice camera? Like if I, you know, just as a gift down the line, would you ever want a nice camera? Was that something you'd be interested in? And immediately I, I knew I was like, Oh yeah, I definitely would. And I immediately started like doing research on like what kind of camera would I want to play around with? And I found the one that I wanted and I went out and I bought it. Like, I mean, not a month after I had gotten this drone. And so then I just started like, I just started taking pictures of everything. I'd go out, I'd go downtown and I'd take pictures of buildings. I'd take pictures of the water. I'd bring my drone and my camera. And I was taking pictures of like street photography of like people who weren't, you know, who didn't know I was taking pictures of them. I would call my friends and see if they wanted to go to the park and take pictures. And I just kind of slowly got better and better until I was like, I would feel comfortable asking for money if someone needed some like some shots. And so I started getting people to pay me a little bit of money. Actually, people started asking me before I even felt, com- you know, someone said, I, I'm starting a business. Would you come out to New Jersey? And and I was like, oh, I'm not going to charge you for that. And he was like, he was a friend of mine, my, my friend Kevin Munhall. And I was like, Okay, maybe just pay me, you know, $100 or whatever. And so then I started talking to photographer friends about like studio lighting and how to get that all set up. And then Haley and I moved into this beautiful new apartment that has kind of space for a studio. And then I just started collecting all the studio equipment and talking to my friends, Mike Petri. You should check him out, Petri Photos on IG and, and Ted Ely about kind of just you know they were giving me input and and slowly but surely i figured it all i figured it all out and i'm really happy with kind of where i am right now and especially with headshots i i really enjoy having someone in for a couple of hours and just kind of getting to know these people that i wouldn't have known i mean i've i've met like amazing amazing people that i just never would have met 
otherwise they just come in and we chat for two hours and they get to like feel all beautiful and I get to feel all cool and, and like have this kind of extra creative expression that I get to do. I mean, I'm semi unemployed right now and I get to take these pictures and it makes me feel like I've got, you know, this creative muscle to flex while I'm not doing the acting thing. Do you think that your dance background, which is kind of like visual and sense of bodies and motion and things like that, is helped aided you in this 100%, 100%, 100%, because there is something about understanding a body and space and understanding, understanding when you look at when you look at someone through the lens, why doesn't this look dynamic? And being able to mm-hmm. give them an adjustment very quickly, I think absolutely, like years of looking at myself in the mirror and trying to make it look more dynamic like it definitely definitely helped with that and when the weather warms up i'd really like to get more dance photography going as well because i feel like obviously that's kind of a if i'm going to be taking photos that's sort of a a strength that i would bring to the table is the ability to go in this arabesque i feel like you you need to straighten this knee a little bit more or lift your chest you know whatever it is so definitely that's a good question Thank you. You're going to I feel like you're going to get so many people wanting headshots because I, I do I do think that if you're not coming from like a conservatory and you're entering the business, the world of headshots and who you go to for a headshot and how expensive they are and what a like an investment it is is so crazy. And totally. so hopefully everyone should DM Will and ask for headshots because yes, please I've do. seen many of your products and they look great. Thank um, you. Speaking of your dance background, I want to go back. I definitely think of you as a dancer who now also plays singing principal roles. But I'm curious, do you think of yourself as a dancer first and which of these sort of three genres came first when you were young? Was it the dance first? Was it storytelling? Was it singing? What was it? Yeah, so this is a really good question because I feel like I've had a bit of an unorthodox path in terms of discovering kind of who I am and who in the business and what, what I bring to the table. I, I started as a singer, like in middle school. Literally, I was like in chorus and I had a good ear and I, 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 I loved singing harmonies. And I was also always, always, always the class clown, always doing like impressions of my favorite movies and, and like making people laugh. And my, my dad is exactly that. He's just like a total goof. So singing and acting were sort of first. We did like a musical, you know, when I was in like the eighth grade. I was like, okay. I, I, I love this. I can totally do this. So my teacher encouraged me and a few of the other kids in our class to go check out the performing arts high school, Pebble Brook. And we did and we got in and we went and that's when we started dancing because basically to, to get into the shows early on, you needed to be able to dance. And so that's when we started taking, we were, we were vocal major dance minors. So I started taking like, essentially we were taking ballet every day. And like maybe a jazz class once a week and then rehearsing in these shows after class or after, yeah, after class. And so I got to be a really strong dancer by the end of my senior year. And so I've always said, I think I do all three pretty equally, but being a, a, a strong male dancer 
always has gotten my foot in the door. Almost always has been like, I've ended up leading with that. And so, yeah, so, and I had a professor in, in college, one of my favorites of all time, Linda Goodrich, who sort of said, she was such a huge mentor, and she said, you are probably going to start by being in the ensemble and understudying, but you will absolutely get out of the ensemble if, if you, you know, if, if you want to do that. And that's sort of what's happening. Like, and that's, that's sort of what I've done. And every show that I've ever done where I've been in the ensemble, I've been understudying principal roles. I got to go on a ton in An American in Paris. I, I, I understudied two roles in Holiday Inn and I went on for one of them. I understudied in Kiss Me Kate. I, I, and then I played obviously a role in Hello Dolly. So that's sort of a big thing right now for me is having this discussion with my agents. Like we don't want to be leading with that anymore. We want to be leading with actor, singer, who, who can dance principal, who, who can bring that to the table. So it's tough. It's tough because I get called in for ensemble stuff all the time or called in to, to cover all the time because that's a great skill set that I definitely think that I have. The ability to be, be in the ensemble and be an equally strong principal. Not to toot my own horn. I, I sort of hate talking about myself in this way, but, but this is where we're at. <laughs> and so, so yeah, so especially coming out of the pandemic where it just feels like there's less opportunities, there's less work. To say no has been a really important thing to say, to, to show casting like, okay, no, I'm, I'm, this is how, this is how it's going. I'm, I, I turned 33, you know, like a few weeks ago and Congrats. it's time, it's time. Thank you very much. It's time to, to really put my foot down and say, this is, this is where I want my career to go. Otherwise I'll continue to be in the ensemble and to cover, which no shame in that at all. I just I have decided for myself as a personal choice that I I want to to move away from that for now. So, yeah. That that was beautiful because my you know my next question was going to be whether that deliberate choice on your part and clearly it was, which makes me think. Uh, so often I think that actors, especially young actors in the business, feel sort of anchorless and moreless and like so much is out of their control and that their career is just sort of saying yes to whatever comes their way. And it feels like you're in a moment of trying to like grab your career by the horns. Is that, that's sort of what you're talking about, right? That you're trying Absolute, to. Absolutely. Gain yeah. This it's, greater it's, 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 it's hard to say no. I mean, it's, it, it's hard to say no. I never felt like I wanted to say no before. I, I, I was always, more than grateful for every opportunity that I that I had and I always felt like I was taking a step forward in one way or another and now it just feels like the step forward has to come kind of at the cost of maybe as much employment you know I'll 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 start to sort of create some some boundaries but yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely tough and I I think personally like when you're younger it it's sort of an advantage to say yes as much as possible. And not even just when you're younger. It depends on where you are in your career. I mean, you know, yes. saying yes is to, to an opportunity that may not be the best thing for your career seemingly, I don't think is always a bad thing because you're always going to meet a hundred people on a job, you know, and you're going to be working with 
creatives. You're going to be working with other actors who are also going to be good. And not to mention the fact that we sort of forget that the longer we don't work, working is practice, which is one of the reasons that work begets work is because if you're going and doing your show every day, you're practicing your skills every day. You're singing every day. You're dancing or moving every day. You're acting in a scene every day. So I don't always think saying uh, yes is a bad thing, but I think, you know, you have to evaluate, is it time to set boundaries or is it time to just dive into the pool and, and see kind of what sticks? Well, and you also mentioned that you had this birthday, so you've now been working professionally since for over 10 years, correct? And correct. so you probably wouldn't have been getting the kind of principal roles that you're hoping to get and that you have been getting when you were 23 and you graduated from Michigan because that would look weird. And now you are graduating, you've had the lived life experience to Completely. not look weird playing these kinds of roles. Right, um, look or, or feel, honestly. I mean, there's... totally. I feel ready now in a way that I, I don't think that I felt when I started. I needed, I needed everything that was, you know, laid in front of me by the universe, you know, to get to sort of the place that I am now. I mean, I, 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 if you just think about every, every show you're in, you're with other professional actors. And every one of the amazing, amazing things about this business, doing this Omaha show we there was like eight of us and I said this out loud to my friend Justin Prescott I said you know I forget that every time you do a show you're working with all of these other actors and they all have these skills that you don't know about until you're in the room together and you see these people start to just do these things that are unbelievable everybody that you're working with is just always has some thing that you're just like wow I can't do that I can't do that. I can't do it the way you do it. And that is amazing. And if you really if you really sit there and have your eyes open in a rehearsal like that every day, every day that you do the show, every day that you're in rehearsal, you can't help but sort of take it in and in, internalize it in a way and have your creative little brain start to munch on, oh, why is that special? Why is that special? How is that special? How are they doing that that is special? And... So you kind of grow just by being around it, if, if you have kind of the right mindset, obviously. But that's why I think saying yes is important. Being in rooms is important. And that's why I think that now I'm starting to feel, you know, every time I'm in a rehearsal room and I am a principal, I'm like, okay, I feel, I feel like I, I am meant to be here. I feel like I have these special ideas that are unique to me and that are, you know, worth, you know, putting out to these, all of these creative people. And that's a great feeling when you start to feel that well of creativity get really deep and really rich and personal when you feel, oh, I know how I will play this role. I know how I will fit into this puzzle of the cast. And I don't think I would have felt that if you would have just thrown me into one of the roles that I was covering in An American in Paris, you know, like when I was 24, 23. So that was so, so long-winded, but... Not at all. Not at all. But I do want to ask, it seems like Hello, Dolly was sort of the first moment of that for you. Did you 
go into that audition process saying like, okay, I have to get this. This is for me. I'm making this transition. This is the next step. Did you hear about the show and you were like, that's what I'm going to do? Or did it, was it sort of a surprise? How did that happen? Did you feel any pressure? What was the vibe? Okay. So I was doing An American in Paris at the time on Broadway. And all of these people in the cast, all of the, I mean, and that cast was some of the best dancers I've ever stacked. ever worked with to yeah. this day. It was stacked. And they were all going into these dance calls for Warren Carlyle and they were going, wow, it, th- what a hard audition. This was such a difficult dance audition. And I was like, okay, maybe that's not for me. And I'm not getting called in. So maybe I should just take that as a sign that I am not meant for this show. Although I will say Hello, Dolly is my favorite show of all time. And I was sort of hoping I would get called in, but but I didn't get called in to go in for those initial... I mean, people were going in, getting callbacks, and I think booking it before I before I ever, ever heard anything. So then I got called in to go in and sing and read to understudy Gavin as Cornelius. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's right where I'm at right now. <laughs> I would love to understudy Gavin Creel. And so I went in with this material, and I sang and I read... And then Jerry Zachs looked at me and he said, would you read the Ambrose stuff? And I was like, yes, I will. And I had done the show before, so I, I knew it a little bit, but I said, can I you know, take a step out and whatever? And I looked at all the sides. I was like, I know this. I feel great about this. And so I did them and I made them laugh. And I left and I was like, huh, huh. I, I wonder if this could happen for me. It seems far-fetched, but I wonder if this could happen for me. I, I had only done one Broadway show at the time. It was American in Paris. But I was like, maybe they're considering me for an understudy for that role. And then they called me into this movers call for Ambrose's and Barnaby's. And I was like, a movers call? But I'm like a dancer. So if I'm in there with a bunch of movers, I'm going to feel fantastic. (laughs) And I went in and... And that's sort of... I just of, want to highlight that it never doesn't make me laugh that it's called a... That it's for a movers. Call. I know, for movers. I know, it's such, a, so it's such a PC way. Yeah. I know. Having been in many a mover call myself, it makes me laugh yeah. every time. You're like, yeah, we're, we're moving. We're here to step <laughs> We're touch. here to move, baby. So, okay, so we went in for that. So we went in and I felt like the best dancer on Broadway. I mean, it was like a tough dance combination, but I felt like one of the only people who had had a lot of training in the room. So then I was going, oh my God, if they're actually looking for a dancer for this role, maybe I could do this. And then I had my final callback and I left just feeling like, oh wow, that could really happen for me. It didn't feel, I didn't go in thinking, I'm going to take a massive step in my career. But I, I left feeling like, holy moly, I am going to take a massive step in my career. And I will say, in terms of feeling comfortable and feeling like a principal and feeling like you deserve to be there, that was not the moment (laughs) going into those rehearsals as that role because of sort of the heavy hitters in in the room. And and Jerry (laughs) Zachs was directing and, and Gavin and Kate and Bette and David. And can I say, I, I love Bette Midler. But to me, at the time, I had just watched all 11 seasons of Frasier. My mom and dad wanted me to watch <laughs> Frasier my entire life, and I never watched it. And then it was on Netflix, and I watched all of it so fast. I, I was enamored with the way that David Hyde Pierce and Kelsey Grammer played those two roles, especially David being the kind of the physical comedian that he was. And so David, who is known for being 
one of the nicest men in the business, I had the hardest time saying anything to him because I was so, You're so starstruck. Yeah. Starstruck. I mean, just unbelievably starstruck. But it ended up being you one get of the over most. It? I got more over it than I was day one, but I never quite got over it. I mean, I still to this day, I just I I admire him so so much because he's just the exact type of man in the business that I want to be. He's had just an incredible career. He has managed to stay so humble and gracious and kind. Like he's so kind and and friendly to everyone in the cast. You know, there's no principal barrier to break through. You know, if you're in the ensemble, he's just as friendly as he was to everybody upstairs with the principals. So I don't know. I, I, I love David to death. He's so sweet, but I'm still just a little bit starstruck because I, I, he's so good at what he does and, and he does what I want to do as well. So yeah, I don't know if I ever got over it, but slowly but surely I felt, I felt better about my place in the cast and my role. And, you know, I got to meet these amazing, amazing women, starting with Bette and, and Donna Murphy and then Bernadette, like, and they were so kind to me that it made me feel like, yeah, I can, I can say lines just like they can say lines. Not true completely, but you know what I mean. Yes. And I saw you in the show and you were amazing. I, I just love that production so much. And you go through the cast when I had Kate on last week and, and now talking with you because of the nature of how big of a principal cast and then ensemble cast that show is, that show is just so stacked. I mean, it was just filled with unbelievably talented people. Um, I want to go back, though, to American in Paris. And of course, I mean, it's the most, you can't think of a more dancey show that has been on Broadway. Right. It's basically a ballet. So how did that happen? And was that for someone who, as you say, came into dance like kind of on the late side, was that intimidating? Were you sort of like, why? How am I with all these ballet dancers? How did that work? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The audition for that, I essentially went to. <laughs> I was doing I was doing South Pacific at Paper Mill Playhouse at the time, and a bunch of the people in the cast had like gotten these, gotten an audition. It was for the day after we closed the show. And we had all heard that it's this crazy ballet dancing. And so many of the guys in the cast were just like, I'm not going to that. It's at 10 a.m. the next day. I'd, I'd rather stay out and have a good time with my cast than have to not do that and then go into this crazy dance call that I'm going to get cut from or whatever their mindset was. And I felt the same way. But at that point, I also was like, you know what? I can't afford dance classes right now. I, how many opportunities do you get to go in for a show that's going to go to Paris? You know, I was I, I eventually saw reason and I was like, I'm just going to go. And so I went and it was incredibly intimidating because they were true. I mean, they, they had people from dance companies all across the country coming in to audition for this thing. So they were really, they had a leg up, I will say, especially with the ballet technique. So it started with this ballet combination and... I felt, I felt like I could do it. Like I didn't feel like feel like it was out of the realm of me, you know, being able to at least execute this choreography. And I will say that my training started with ballet. Like it is right. sort of based yeah. in ballet. And 
I was more on my leg that day than I maybe have ever been. I was pulling like eight pirouettes every time that I tried. I can't do that. I don't do that. But that day, I swear to you, every single time I was getting at least six, six pirouettes. I, I don't know why that happened. Other than to say that the universe had plans beyond, I don't know. So I sort of, I just sort of said, put on a face, act like you've been there, act like this is what happens every day, even though it is absolutely not. Don't look shocked that you're doing this. But it just kept happening every time. And I kind of noticed them noticing me and I was like, oh, wow. So they made a cut after the ballet stuff and I didn't get cut. And then they're like, we're going to do, we're going to do a jazz combination. And I was like, I'll feel more comfortable doing that. And I, I felt so much more comfortable. I moved from the back of the room to the middle of the room, you know, and I, I felt like this is where I will, will thrive a little bit. And they made a cut after that. And then they said, we're going to do a soft shoe tap combination. And I was like, oh, all the ballet people are moving to the back and <laughs> Will is moving right up to the front. And so I did this, you know, soft shoe combination. And I was like, you know what? Overall, today went very well. And so I got a call back and I went in and like sang and read. And I was like, well, I know a lot of those guys don't have a lot of experience doing that. So as long as I do the work on this material, like I, I, I feel in a good, a good spot. Then the final callback was a ballet partnering call with the women on point. And I was like, all right, here's where I just need to let go of this dream because this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> like I... I really almost have never done that. I did it a little bit in high school, but I partnering people on point is just not something that I do, and it's a very specific skill. And I had this poor girl, Sarah, who was amazing, and she was so sweet to me, and I was so apologetic to her the whole time. <laughs> and Chris Wielden, after we went, he was like, can I see Sarah do it with a Rodrigo, please? And Rodrigo <laughs> walks out. <laughs> And they have to like partner together and they haven't been practicing together at all. And it didn't go as well for her as it probably would have if she had been rehearsing with Rodrigo the whole time. And so she didn't get the job, but I did get the job. <laughs> I did get the job. And yeah, so, but essentially they needed people, not just from dance companies, but they needed people to, you know, who had, who had experience doing musical theater and who could cover the roles, you know, and I, I ended up covering Brandon Uranowitz and Max von Essen in the show and going on for them all the time. So my value was not in the eight pirouettes that I, I thought was this like lie that was going to get me in the door. It was actually in being able to do the other stuff that they needed. But you know what? We went into those rehearsals and because it was the first opportunity that I was going to have to do a Broadway show, I didn't know if I was going to get to do it. We were going to Paris, and then the Broadway thing was sort of like dangling as this Twinkie at the end of that contract. And so I was just like, I am not going to let the reason I don't get this first Broadway show be that I didn't work hard enough. So they they were having ballet class, optional ballet class at 9 a.m. before every, before every rehearsal, which started at 10, 10 to 6. And I was like, I'm just going to go to every single one and try to get as good as I can at ballet by the end of this thing to at least show them that I I am trying. I am trying to be closer to what these other incredible people are. And you know what happened? I got so much better at ballet. <laughs> I got so much better so fast because not, we were doing an hour-long class before rehearsal, and then we were dancing all day, every day for a month and a half, and then we were dancing in the show, and we were doing these... I mean, three ballets throughout the show. I got so much better at ballet. 
And it only, it, it sort of launched me into getting every other Broadway show that came after that it was this facility that I really locked in during that show. Did it ever make you be like, damn, I should have been a ballet dancer or no? You know what? Because I am such because I am such a hobbyist, because when I get interested in something, I like really dive in. I was in the mindset of like, oh wow, this is great. Like I I love that this is all like so much technique and I love diving into that and getting better at that. And you know, these people are telling me that I have a good facility, I have like long legs and good feet. And and they're like, you you know, you could have been a ballet dancer. Uh at the end of the day, no. But there was there were days where I was like, huh, I wonder. I wonder what would have happened. But no, not my not my thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's nice to be able to do I mean, that show was so special it, it, in that it like melded those two worlds together, which is rare. Yes. Um, and I think that is fun and it's a fun way to meet other types of artists and kind of see how the other half lives for lack of a better phrase. We've talked about, you know, Hello Dolly and this, and I mentioned some of your other other credits. And it seems to me that you make most of your bread and butter from doing revivals. Or I know American in Paris wasn't a revival, but something set in the past, golden age vibes. Do you think that's just because of the type of dance like why do you think that is do you personally gravitate towards those stories more what do you think is the the journey to that that is a good question that i have sort of been trying to figure out for a long time i think ultimately my type just my my vocal instrument my dance training has sort of led a little bit into that, I guess. Although it's funny, I wouldn't even say I wouldn't say that American in Paris is traditional theater dancing, but mm. there is something about my type that is leading me to revivals. I have absolutely zero problem with that. I love new shows, but you know what's what's funny about musical theater is that it's so difficult to write a musical that there aren't a lot of good music of great musicals. There are a lot of mm-hmm. good musicals. There's not even a lot of good musicals. It's just, it's really hard to, to to write a great musical. So if you're doing a lot of revivals, it means you're doing a lot of great shows that that are, are standing the test of time to some degree. And I love this old music. Like I love Rodgers and Hammerstein. I love Jerry Herman. You know, I love Irving Berlin. I love all of these, all of these composers that wrote the scores for these shows that are all, they're all dead. And I, I just, I love them so much. And so I don't have a problem with it. I don't, I don't know. The, the, the next show that I'm doing, I can't, I actually don't know if I'm allowed to discuss it yet, is not a revival. It's not an old show. It's very new. So that will be a fun um, kind of variant. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you're right. I do, I do a lot more traditional shows than I do newer shows. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I wonder too, you mentioned earlier that you were like the class clown and knowing you through Haley and even just from your Instagram, you seem like sort of a comedic presence and a comedic person. Do you think that's part of it too? Because there's so many, 
or but I'd love to ask too do you think of yourself as someone who wants to do more comedy than drama or are you looking forward at your career and like no I want to I want to play Hamlet now what's no no absolutely absolutely more comedy than drama for sure I I mean 100% (laughs) like my idols are like Steve Martin you know um yeah. I love like John C. Riley. I love John C. Riley because he does he does both very well. But mm. my idols have always been comedians. And during the pandemic I even I was like, I'm gonna invest a little bit more into comedy and and trying to write comedy and trying to improvise and, and create these characters that I know that are in there that I do for Haley all the time. But so yeah, definitely that but you know I feel like I, I don't know. Do you would you think new shows are less likely to have a traditionally comic character? I think so. I think I mean, I don't know. It's a good question. You think about like the great shows that have been written in the past 30, 40 years and it's like Rent, Hamilton, and certainly and there are comedic parts of both of those shows, but I think the the driving force of both of those are like drama and tragedy. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's tough. Like the Bill Finn material is obviously incredibly funny and I could mm-hmm. see you in a spelling bee or falsettos ah, when you're older. Yes. But I think the golden age, because it's in some ways so formulaic, like it has the love pair and then the funny support, like because it's so formulaic, you know that in every golden age show, there's going to be a comedic role. So I think that that helps that. And I also think in terms of the dancing you do, like in the same way that the Golden Age shows are formulaic, like you can have a spelling bee now that has like virtually no dancing. And in the 50s, you were writing like dream ballets into shows. So I think that has changed too. Although, you know, that there's tons of dancing in contemporary shows, of course, but... I think it's a little more assured in golden age. Absolutely. I I would also like to see more roles for dancer actors because that is a category. So you've got singer dancers and you've got singer actors, but you rarely have this like dancing because because there has to be music when you're dancing and if there's music you're probably singing, but I saw the West Side Story revival before the pandemic. On, on opening night, actually. And I was so blown away by the talent on that stage. And uh, so many of them were, I, I don't know if they would consider themselves this, but I, they were, they, to me, looked like these actor dancers, like equally in, you know, big letters, actor dancers. They, they Those two skills were, I mean, they were unbelievable. And then I, I saw the movie West Side Story a few days ago, and these, I mean, oh my God, it was so good, first of all. And these it's people are actor dancers. They are they were impeccable on camera. They were amazing with their scene work. And they were absolutely stunning in all of the dance stuff. First of all, Justin Peck did just like an insane job with it. Like I, 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 could, I couldn't been... believe what I was watching. But also... The people he got are in this category of like could be leading men and women if given the opportunity, but maybe they're they consider their primary skills dancer and actor. And like I mean, David Alvarez in, in oh that my movie. God. 
was, he was so good. Obviously, Ariana DeBose was fantastic. All, all the all the jets and sharks, and I just all of these people that I know, I was just like, oh my, I, I, I was crying the whole time. Not just because the movie <laughs> was was beautiful and the show is stunning, but because these people that I am friends with are insanely talented. Is what I was saying earlier. When you're in this business, you just meet these people that if you're talking to them at a party, they're just people and and they you know, you're you make friends with them and it's lovely and then you see them do these things that are otherworldly that seem magical to you because you yourself cannot do what they are doing and it is incredibly moving. And in that movie, there's so many of them <laughs> that I was just choked the whole time. I was just I was so incredibly moved. But yeah, to go back to my original point, the dancer actor. I think that's got to be more of a thing. That's got to be more of a thing. I think it exists in a show like West Side Story, for example, because it's more balletic. Because I'm sure a ballerina would argue that she has to be at the top of his or her craft, that they have to be actors as well as mm-hmm. dancers when they're portraying the movement. Um, Absolutely. But I totally agree with you. I saw West Side Story two nights ago with our friend Drew, Haley's friend Drew, and I also like wept the whole time. And I think you're so right that each and every one of those sharks and jets, if you took them out, could be a leading man on their own. And I thought that was really cool. But I also think, I mean, my favorite thing to do when I see like a big Broadway musical is pick one person in the ensemble at the beginning Mm. of the show and watch them the entire time. And I really believe that Broadway dancers, and I think your testament to this, are good enough to be plucked from the ensemble at any moment and play a principal role for the most part. And I definitely, and I like seeing that when that happens. It's why I also love seeing when covers go on. I think it's so exciting and, and fun. You mentioned earlier one mentor that you had, I think you said in college, do you have any other big mentors that you've had in your career thus far? Yeah, let me think about this for just a second. I've had mostly it was, you know, I who I consider my mentors, the head of the department at Pebblebrook High School. His name is Frank Timmerman. He was just just an amazing educator and understood what kids needed and and understood that no two kids are the same and and was just a fantastic teacher and and mentor. And then Linda Goodrich, who was a teacher in college who I think kind of had a similar, she's a similar type to me in that she is an insane dancer. She is this beautiful, I mean, she understands movement in a way that I never will. But she would direct these shows and she loved her, her niche was directing new musicals. And and Michigan does a new musical every year. And I think that became sort of her thing because she she can dive into a script as well as she can dive into choreography. And I obviously admire that so much. I'm trying to think since since I've graduated, there's been anyone in particular. Based on this, though, I was going to ask. I should have asked you earlier. Do you do you want to choreograph or direct at some point in your life, or are you sort of like mm, not for me? You know, it's not something that is driving my career right now. I'm not seeking opportunities, but I love choreographing like I love I love Haley Haley's studio 
from when she grew up, her dance studio, we, we just did an intensive and I got an opportunity to choreograph for one of these kids for a solo for him. And I had a great time. I just, I love, I love being creative in, in, in any way that I can. And I've been dancing for a long time now, so I would love to flex that muscle, but it's definitely not something that is driving my career. Mm. And as far as directing, I would, I would love to do that down the line, but I don't feel like I have a good enough sense of that yet, that skill. It's not something that I've like really devoted time to thinking about. That said, I did a lot of phone acting over the pandemic in various wigs and costumes and fake teeth and stuff. And it made oh, me start like front facing camera stuff. Front facing camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like me on Instagram making stupid characters do stupid things. Uh-huh. And I don't know, it did get me thinking, like, I wonder I wonder what would it what it would be like to it did get me thinking about in in terms of being a director. Like what is that creative process like? I don't know if I'll ever if I'll ever do that. It's not something that's driving me. I think performance is definitely more my my path and and writing performance and writing i can see writing coming before directing for sure Mm, mm, interesting cool i love that before we move on to my special ending segment my last question i ask many guests this do you have any advice for wannabe broadway performers and then a corollary to that, do you have any advice for any Broadway dancers or ensemble members who may be listening who want to make sort of a similar transition as the one mm. that you have been doing and are doing? But I know yeah, those absolutely. are both big questions. Yeah, the, the answer is similar for both, but I'll start with the first one, which my, my advice to anyone, especially really young people who want to get into this, is that you must invest in it you must be passionate about it and i don't mean that kind of flippantly where it's like yeah you got to be passionate about it i mean think of the word passion and what that means and you have to invest yourself into it if you love it invest yourself into it as much as you love it you know you have to do it a lot everything you do that revolves around it is practice for it and is important. Don't put any limits on yourself. Just dive in and and learn all of the disciplines that you can to the best degree that you can. And that leads to the next point, which is find the best teachers that you can. Because teachers will will take your passion and your um, hard work and they will move it in a direction, you know, that is closer to where you want to go. So my advice is, Work hard and find great teachers. The same really goes if you're in the ensemble and you want to make the transition to being uh, in the principal world, well, it requires a different skill set. So you have to evaluate where you are in your skill set very honestly with yourself and without ego. And you have to go, what do I need to work on? What do I need to work on? And then you just pour yourself into those skills, whether it's you know, getting your voice lessons and then singing every day or it's getting back into into an acting class because, again, it's all about practice. It's all about being in the practice when the opportunity comes to you. Because if you are like, yeah, I did acting in college. Here I am four years out from college and I've been doing ensemble stuff. It may not, 
<laughs> you're not going to feel the same reading through a script as you did when you were reading them every day and acting with your you know, cohorts every day. So you need to be in the practice and practicing all the time so that when the opportunity comes that is right for you, you're just ready and it's a seamless transition into the audition and then into rehearsals because what is important is you don't want to feel unprepared in an audition. You really don't want to feel unprepared in a rehearsal room where you are, I don't want to say it's an audition, but essentially, you know, you're going to be working with this director, this choreographer, this these writers for the next month, eight hours a day, and you want to feel prepared. You want to feel like your voice is where it needs to be, like your ideas are flowing and you know, you, you don't want to feel like you have to hold back because you're not you're not ready in one way or another. Now, that said, everybody has insecurities in the rehearsal room. Everybody feels a little bit nervous to, to dive in. That's natural. But you want to feel like I have done everything in my power up to this point to deliver the goods and to sort of, like I was saying earlier, like understand what my juice is, my sauce to bring into this room, what my you know, why they hired me and all of that stuff. And the more you pour yourself into that, it it may not happen right away, but you'll start to see signs that you're on the right track. You know, you'll start to get a callback versus just getting cut. You'll start to, you know, get the understudy instead of the role, but you'll get the opportunity to do that and work on that. And slowly but surely, you can sort of turn the ship around from like, I'm just doing the ensemble to I'm doing understudies to I'm doing roles in you know, regional theaters to I'm doing roles, you know, on Broadway or whatever. That's kind of ideally how, (laughs) not ideally necessarily. I think ideally you just audition for the Broadway show and book the role. But that's the way, like Haley, exactly. She just auditions (laughs) and books (laughs) or doesn't audition. But yeah, that's, that's my advice. It's just, it's just, it's literally just work hard because you'd be shocked how many people because of the way that their career has gone for them so far and because of their raw talent, don't put in the work. And when you get to a certain point in your career, everybody's got the raw talent. Everybody in the room has, and then the the people who are separating themselves are the ones who are willing to grind and to really dive in. Because if you're passionate about it, why not? I mean, why not spend time every day Singing, even if even if you're like, God, I don't feel like I have a great voice today. That's okay. That's okay. Just practice what it singing when when you don't when you're not in good voice because inevitably you're going to have an audition where you're not in good voice and you're going to want to know. Okay, here's what I have to do. Here's how I have to warm up. Here's how I have to do this. You know what I mean? So you're essentially just practicing all the time to prepare yourself as much as possible. I lied because I thought of another question. Some questions. <laughs> That's okay. Based on what you were saying, but the first of which you've mentioned several times how into hobbies you are, um, and I think that's really cool. And I feel very strongly that actors, performers should have hobbies or at least other things that they're interested in. Do you think that this penchant for hobbies is because of how hard you work and grind at Mm. the thing and that sometimes you have to turn off your brain and can't be working on that. Why do you think you gravitate towards these like other things? That is a very good question. And I 
don't know the answer to it, although that seems as good an explanation as any. You know what? I'm going to tie this into the last question, which is advice. My advice to anybody who wants to pursue a career in the arts at all is to be curious, is to just be insatiably curious. Because, especially as an actor, the more you understand about the world around you and and all all of the world around you and the people around you, the better an actor you're going to be. And there was a moment in my life in college where I essentially decided to be curious. I know that sounds so weird. I was just sitting in front of my laptop and basically what, what, what had happened was I had some people in my class who were really informed always about what was going on in the world and the news and all of this stuff. And I just felt so like that wasn't what I was interested in. I fe- it felt like scary to me or something. And I realized I have to choose to either keep going on the path that I'm on, which is the uncurious path and just sort of like living my life and living for the the weekend and having, I want to have fun and that's why I'm doing theaters because it's fun or sort of live like the examined life and understand maybe the, the scary things about the world, but also on the, on the other side of that coin is understand all of the wonderful things about the world. And there's so much to mine in every single thing around you and every single thing in the room you're in right now, outside, there's so much to learn. And I think, I think that is sort of why I've had success in my career. One of the reasons is, is that I, I'm able to pour myself into my job because I'm just intensely curious about it and I know I'll never know enough about it. And then I find all of these other things. And, and maybe, yes, you're right that, well, I, I just learned a lot about my job and I'm sort of done. I need to turn that off right now. But I think a lot of people have the ability to, to then just rest. And I just don't. <laughs> I like, I, I really, I'm always like thinking about, you know, the board game that I got for Christmas and I want to play that, but I got to play it by myself first so that I can teach Haley later. I want, I'm thinking about my camera and this new <laughs> setting that I just learned about. All of this stuff I cannot stop. And who knows, that might have something to do with avoidance of some kind, you know, avoiding my depression and anxiety and all that stuff. But more, I mean, not more likely, but in addition, I just, I'm just curious. Like I just, I just want to, I just love learning. I love diving into something and learning about it. I mean, I think that's something that like I immediately, first that I immediately saw in Haley and second that I immediately saw in you. And it's, it's the kind of people that I want to have on this show specifically, but also I want to have in my life because I think there is unfortunately a trope of like the actor who clocks in and clocks out and only thinks about, you know, dancing or singing or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I love getting down and talking about musical theater. It's so fun. But to your point, I think the the best artists are bringing in all these other things that they know about, all these other things they're curious about, all these other talents that they may have. You never know how your photography may influence something that you're going to write or create someday. So completely. Yeah. I mean, the advice I always tell people is like, please, please, please have something else you're interested in. Because also, as you say, when there are lean times and there are going to be lean times, 
you want to have a reason to like get up in the morning completely and it can't just be having a job because you're not always going to have a job. I also think you're so great because particularly when it comes to like principal tracks on Broadway, so often now it's it's very like you're a television star or a movie star and you come in and you're the lead or, you know, you won the Jimmy Awards, no offense to the Jimmy Award winners, and suddenly <laughs> you're a star on Broadway and... I do feel like, I mean, you've obviously had amazing success, but you also have like worked hard and quote unquote paid your dues. And I think that's more and more rare nowadays. Mm. Does it feel that way to you? Is that something that you feel like you've benefited from? I will will say I've definitely benefited. My path has been perfect for me. I mean, it has been in many ways the path of least resistance. Probably true. Everyone's path is perfect for them. For them. Exactly. But but that said, one of the reasons it was so great for me is that every every show that I did, I learned something about myself or about acting or about being in a room, you know, a, a professional setting. And so it's just important to remember to remember that because no matter where you are in your life or in your career, every opportunity, every thing that happens to you is an opportunity to learn something. And this this past year, I, I started learning a lot about Stoic philosophy. Not a lot, but I started reading like Stoic philosophy. I know it sounds it sounds so it sounds so I don't know, but it it really just ultimately <laughs> I taught don't even me know, that. Like- is there a writer like who is it's that? it's old it's like Seneca and uh, Epictetus oh, okay. and and like Marcus Aurelius okay. and like and <laughs> so much of it is just basically saying you cannot control what happens to you you can only control the way you react to it and one of the quotes from one of them is like the obstacle is the way so it's basically saying you know every everything that happens is an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity. Even if it feels like it's a bad thing, if you were not in control of it, it it was going to happen. So all you can do is change your perspective on it. And that, to, to understand that, I think is very important for actors in particular, because we're constantly being faced with these decisions about our career and these, you know, should I go out and do that show away from New York City? You know, or should I stay in the city and not do anything? Or should I change my agents? Should I? We have all of these decisions we have to make all the time, and we can only can control what we can control. And to figure out what you can control is very important. And then to not let the other things affect you is very, very important. Yes, I think that's true. I, d- I did not expect to be talking about um, Seneca on the pod. But really <laughs> I, I didn't either. That. I didn't either. And I, yeah, I, I didn't either. I'm sorry. Well, I was almost a <laughs> classics major in college. So, so oh, wow. I, I get it. But I can't oh, say that I've read Seneca. No, I, I, I went into my first ancient Greek class and I was like, I don't want to learn a new alphabet. So that was <laughs> not, not for me. me. Um, we're finally at my ending segment, the thank you five segment. So it's okay. five rapid fire questions. So just answer oh first thing that comes to the top of your head. These should be okay. fun. The first being your favorite Broadway show that you've performed in. Oh, God. Two for two different reasons. You don't have to answer Ameri- if it's two. American, in pa- American in Paris, 
because it was my first and it was incredibly magical and we went to Paris and it was wonderful. And Hello Dolly because it was it changed my life in so many ways and I worked with so many incredible stars and and also Kiss Me Kate because I met Haley and also Holiday Inn because it was so fun. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's such I a know terrible I, answer. Holiday Inn is like I'm I'm so mad I never saw it because as I like went forward in my career, so many people I meet like were involved in the Holiday Inn, and I'm like, God darn it, I can't believe. Well, I there's there they they filmed it for Broadway HD, and now it's like you can I think you might be able to even watch it on YouTube. It is worth watching. They did a really great job. It's a just a delightful, funny, fun like some of the best Broadway dance numbers you've ever seen. Like just really fun choreography, not just great choreography, really fun. So worth worth checking out. All right, I will check it out, and and those listening should as well. If you can remember a dance sequence you've performed, doesn't have to be on Broadway, that you found mm-hmm. to be the most challenging. Tom, Dick, or Harry and Kiss Me Kate was really hard because we were singing, and it was incredibly athletic, and there weren't many of us out there, so we were just moving all around the stage. Very challenging. And then the finale of American in Paris is this, like, 12 to 15 minute ballet that it's at the end of the show. And you always want the hardest thing to not be at the end of the show. And it was right there at the end. And so we were already tired and we had to go in and do this thing. Not had to, got obviously privileged to, but it was very hard, very hard. Hey, I, I don't know. You're so right about the end of the show thing because most shows are structured. You, you just sort of like come out and sing like a reprise and then you're done. Exactly, exactly. Do you have a dream role or a dream show you would want to perform in? I always say my dream role is a role that's written for me in a show that hasn't been written yet because I think that's true. Because I feel unique. I feel like I have a unique voice and that's so cliche. So with that, I will say that I would love to play Leo Bloom in The Producers. Oh my gosh, I love that answer. Yeah. It's one of my favorite shows. Love it. Love Mel Brooks. You'd be great. Love the producers. Let's get it. Let's make it happen. Do you have a favorite backstage mishap story or onstage mishap? Oh man, yeah. I I have a few, but the, the first one that comes to mind is during Hello, Dolly. I... I was on I was on the fourth floor. My dressing room was on the fourth floor. And Gavin Creel was the next door down. And there was this shelf on the wall in our hallway, our mutual hallway, that he would keep stacked with snacks. I'm talking like huge containers of M&Ms, Doritos, wow. pretzels, you name it. It was on the wall of snacks. Uh-huh. And I had so much time off during that show that I would be upstairs near the wall of snacks. I mean, for hours on end. <laughs> and I have very little self-control. I am a complete sugar addict. And so I would be up there munching on snacks. And one day, it wasn't that I <laughs> ate too much snacks. It was that my stomach was already a little funky from something. And I ate some Doritos and it sent me over the edge. And I had to go down and do the only dance number that I was in in that show, which was the polka, which was just bouncing up and down for two straight minutes. And so I went down and I was sweating and my nasty wig was like sticking to my face. And I said, Chris, our stage manager, Chris, I said, Chris, I, don't, I, I feel like I might throw up. I don't know what I'm going to do. He's like, well, do you think, do you think you can do this or do we just need to have Melanie, not, you know, not go on and then come on later? And I was like, I think I can do it. So I 
went out there and I bounced around for two minutes. And then after that number, we're standing back in this like courtroom scene where Gavin is now singing It Only Takes a Moment and he's in a spotlight downstage. And I knew that I had to throw up, but everybody is still. And I just had to turn and walk off stage and throw up. And it it's not a fireworks story. Like I didn't throw up on stage. I didn't throw up into the pit. But it was just the whole number. I'm sweating thinking I got to throw up, but I thought I got through it. And then I'm standing there and I knew I had to throw up. I ran off and I threw up. How many times can I say throw up? So many times. I ran off and I threw <laughs> up. And then I decided I could do the final scene. So I'm waiting behind the big store at, to go up. And I go up and I do the final scene. And I come back and I say, I have to throw up. <laughs> and Pam Remler, another stage manager, goes to get me a big bag to throw up in. And so I do, and it's not a bag. It's like a chute. It has an empty bottom. So it just goes all over our shoes, and <laughs> I'm embarrassed and, like, like have this nasty wig, like, on my face and in my mouth, and it was horrible. It was so horrible, but I – it's, like, one <laughs> of the things – I can't believe that's your favorite backstage mishap. It's my favorite to tell because, because it's yeah, probably yeah. the worst. Because it's probably the worst. It was it was awful. I mean, it was terrible. But I also, it's one of those things where I, it's like, I'm always like, what would happen if I had to poop or throw up and I was on stage? What would happen? And it's never <laughs> happened until that moment. And it happened and it was totally fine. And nobody saw me throw up besides, not nobody, but I mean, Melanie and Pam and everybody backstage saw me throw up. But nobody in the audience saw me throw up. And it happened and it came and went. I've said this on the podcast before but I love taking my parents backstage whenever I do shows because they're always so shocked by how like gross backstage is of course no offense to like stage management but especially like you're doing Hello Dolly on Broadway starring Bette Midler you would think (laughs) it's so glamorous but really the backstage vibe is like you Will Burton throwing up on your shoes yeah yeah I I've I've said that before too it's 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 this weird thing where we we only show the audience what is beautiful and then backstage it's these old 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 theaters it's just everything yeah. is old and there's nothing, nothing it's is like covered up. The pipes are everywhere. There's, yeah, there's just like brick, you know, Bet had her dressing room like totally renovated. So her stuff was beautiful. I mean, she had like, <laughs> you know, beadboard and these like cork floors and it was like gorgeous. <laughs> but the, but, and now it probably is gorgeous, you know, until that stuff wears down. But everything else is just, it, it is kind of, you know, they, they keep it as clean as they can. They keep it as clean as they can, but you're right. Yeah. Like it's in these clean. beautiful theaters. Like- we're in these gorgeous costumes and there's like paint chipping around yeah, it us. Is, it is a very weird irony for sure. They didn't renovate the Ambrose dressing room? <laughs> I tried to get it in my contract. I ended up just buying a plant <laughs> no for the dressing room. No luck? Oh, good. Yeah. A plant. Um, and my last question. Yeah. A Broadway performer essential or Broadway dancer. And you can take this very literally like a foam roller or something like that. Oh, or oh, oh. metaphorically like, you know, grit or something like that. Oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, I my list is long. But I will say the things I use often. Definitely grit. Definitely grit. I, I know you just said that and I, that feels totally uncreative. But like, I mean, you you must be able to push through, you know, feeling tired because you feel tired a lot. But then because you feel tired a lot, I always have, and for those listening at home, 
my handy dandy cane, like Theracane, to, to, to work out muscles in my back. I always have my foam roller. I always have this vibrating ball that like gets into my muscles. I, I get to the theater early and warm up like before every show, even as Ambrose, when I did virtually nothing, I would get there and do this like ballet bar in the basement and, and all this stretching and all this stuff. Just to me, it is essential and I can do a show without it, but then I do the show with it and I understand how much it centers me. There's, there's gotta be something you do that, that gets you just focused before the show. Otherwise, I don't know, you can get through a show, but your best is when your mind is in the right place. And that, that feels pretty essential to me. I totally agree. People used to always make fun of me because I would get to the shows. Like I played Mary Poppins once and I would get there like, you know, two hours before curtain or something like that. Yeah. And people would make fun of me, but I don't care. I really no, needed it. Yeah, it but really more is important. But more to the people who can like eat a huge lunch. <laughs> I was doing arsenic gold lace one summer and my friend Tom Story, shout out to Tom, didn't come on until, do you know that play at all? No. It's a three act, like really traditional farce play. And my friend Tom was playing a role that didn't come on until the last scene in act one. So he didn't come on until like 45 minutes. And I had like a really intense like period wig and everything. And I remember I would all, he and I just like made trouble that whole summer, but I would always go to his dressing room and it would be curtain, like the show would be starting and he would have basically just shown up, yeah. not in costume, and he'd be eating like a cheesesteak and he would be the yeah. first to admit this. Yeah. And more power to those people, but I am not one of those people. Yes, I am not one of those people either. I am not, but you're absolutely right. If you, people have their, their own method and yes. whatever they need but yeah i'm certainly I'm, I'm so anal about it and i get into these weird like superstitions almost like like habitual superstitions where i'm like if i don't do this thing i will hurt myself during this number because i have to make sure that you know and and that's probably not healthy but it is important to me to get in the zone i'm the exact same way i'm so superstitious to the point where like if I don't eat this very specific turkey sandwich before the show, <laughs> I'm gonna suck. Like it's it's strange, but but I know exactly what you're talking because the feeling is you go, I ate a turkey sandwich, it sat well in my stomach, I had a great show, and then you start going, well, it may not be the turkey sandwich, but I don't want to find out by having a bad show I because I ate it. chili. Yeah. Yes, I also think. As you say, like so much is out of our control as actors. And therefore, I think a lot of us try to control as much as possible what we can. So, absolutely, you know, we yeah. take control in small ways. Will, this was so fun for me. I hope it was as fun it, for you. It was. I, I'm so glad you had me on. And I've loved, loved talking to you. The best. Is there anything you feel that I've missed? Anything you else want to say? Anything else you want to plug? I mean, no, you, you, you were, it was, I don't know. It was just me talking about me for, for an hour. Best. So, so there's nothing else. I, there's more about me, but you'll just have to find out the next time I'm on. But again, thank you very much for having me on and for letting me talk about and me thank for an you. hour. So fun. So great. Truly just like the type of performer I gravitate towards. Thank you so much. And thank you call time listeners as always. Love you guys. And I love hearing from you. Some have been reaching out to me lately so please do that in the future i want to hear what you want to see and thank you so much 